thank you for joining us for another Hagley History Hangout. My name is Gregory Hargreaves, Assistant Director of the Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society at the Hagley Museum and Library in Wilmington, Delaware. Now, as you know, during these history hangouts, we like to bring you some of the great work being done by folks who have used their historical collections held in the Hagley Library, especially scholars who have received support in the form of research grants and fellowships of different kinds from the Hagley Center. One such scholar joins me today. Professor Fabian Prieto Nanez is a assistant professor of science, technology, and society at Virginia Tech University. Uh, Fabian, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Greg, for inviting me to this space to talk about my research and my experience. Oh, you're welcome. Let's start uh, by painting with broad strokes, so to speak. What is it that you're researching about at the moment? Well, uh, my research is uh, kind of like research that I'm doing for my book manuscript about a satellite dish uh, in the Caribbean in the 1980s and the kind of beginning of a uh, uh, satellite television directed to your home. So it's a huge process. I have been tracking that from the perspective of what was happening in the Caribbean in the 1980s. And I found this kind of intersection between legislation, um, technological kind of like expertise, but also entrepreneurship that has launched me to kind of observe this uh, in a very kind of uh, particular way, like starting from the underground of what was going on. Basically, my sources in my dissertation were mostly about Colombia, that is my hometown. So I could gather some of this information from archives uh, that are kind of like not as established as the ones that I had found here in the United States, but that they give you like uh, ideas of like traces of how people did this process of building their own satellite dishes in the Caribbean. And I am not talking about only like one or two. There was there were a huge movement of, I mean, of people building their satellite dishes in Central America, South America, and the Caribbean. So that is what I'm trying to find out. Okay, if this is the story told from the Caribbean, how this intersects with the United States and the and the connections are really interesting. If you take a look at the history of television and cable television in the United States in the 70s and 80s, the satellite dish represent a huge transition into a new business model. Companies like HBO or uh, CNN or uh, this uh, so-called superstation in that moment were really pushing the boundaries of media distribution. So if this story can be told from the perspective of the United States, it's also great. But I'm taking this stance of what, what, how, how can it be if we start thinking from the Caribbean? Because my main point is that the things that happened in the Caribbean helped to shape the social technical system that was emerging. It pushed ideas of copyright. It pushed ideas of uh, calls or privatization of television uh, in the region. So it's like a uh, not like a top-down. Kind of process where you tell the story of what happened in the United States and tell, oh yeah, this influenced the Caribbean. But it's, I want to kind of bring this more like a two wave, two way of thinking that the, what happened in the Caribbean was useful for understanding the changes in how satellite television could be used for distribution. What put Hagley on your radar as a potential resource to help you uncover the story? That's a great question because, as I mentioned, my first like attempt finishing my dissertation was to 
kind of find sources in Latin America and particularly Colombia, uh, and then finding some uh, amateur uh, satellite entrepreneurs who were talking about the Caribbean, but they were based in rural spaces in, 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 in the United States. So I was doing this kind of work and it was self-sufficient, but I started doing a collaboration with one professor from University of Maryland and her and his uh, PhD advisee, David Kirch and Marta Villamor. Uh, I present in the Business History Conference uh, my, my work on entrepreneurs in the Caribbean and they, David figured out, oh yeah, this is a great place for studying what he calls institutional voids in, in business strategy is a concept that is useful to understand how these kind of entrepreneurs emerge in the context of uncertainty. So I was like, okay, I just came here to the business history. I don't know what to do. Let's 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 start work on that. And it was it has been a great experience. I have been doing a lot of work with them. They are using topic modeling like this kind of like seeing all the sources uh, at once. I am more like this historian who take every kind of source and read it and try to find meaning and make connections. So it was a great opportunity for me to kind of like uh, observe my project from a different perspective. And one thing that happened there was a, a kind of like suggestion. We, we start to talk about this project in different venues. And one of the suggestions was like, why don't we include like not only the perspective of the amateurs or so-called pirates, because that was one label that they start to have. And we start to include uh, like uh, institutional sources. Uh, so what they did in this kind of topic modeling was to track that through Hain Online and these legal sources or using the Congress hearings. But I got curious, of, okay, if I want to get more information about the institutional setting to the thing that happened, what can I do? And I start to find out places like Hagley Museum and other uh, university that they have the private uh, uh, archives of uh, CEOs of people who were working. So I found that an opportunity for 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 going into the Hagley Library, the RCA. Like uh, I mean, there are many works done with that archive, uh, and I was I didn't know the dimension of what RCA was until I get into the Hagley Library. But my first thought was like, okay, I will go straight into Astro Electronics Division which was this kind of like very design oriented and science, like research and development area in RCA. And it started to give me like, okay, what is going on here? How these companies are building this infrastructure, aiming at a particular idea of how this might work and finding that on the kind of outside of that or in the institutional void that David mentioned or points out. There were these all other entrepreneurs going on. So I. I wanted to go into the library first to read that from the perspective of amateurs or like from this kind of like uh, experience that I had learning how these things were moving and see if the RCA had any concerns about uh, intellectual property or how this was being misused. Uh, and it was interesting because you see in the institutional kind of like a mindset that they were aiming to a particular use of the satellites and a particular system that they wanted to build. These other competitors were not, I mean, they were more concerned about like issues of copyright or like issues of like not being able to build enough infrastructure for the satellite to work. Uh, so so that was like a, my first kind of impression when I get into the hardware, like, okay, this, this, this is another story, like another line 
that I want to see if that crosses with the story that I'm looking for. So, so yes, that is what I start doing the kind of like work at Hagley Library initially with the Astro Electronics Division, but then I found out that it's not only about research and development and this corporation, as you know, have like different like areas mm -hmm. and the Hagley Library also hosts uh, the collection for the uh, global international, well, I don't remember the exact name of the division right now, but it's one that was in charge of more, more communication and marketing of how to offer services to different companies. So when I enter into that more like way of how the business was being designed, everything start to make sense. Like everything start to make sense about like RCI's idea of creating their own closed system. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were developing that, developing that in the 1980s. And then an interesting thing that I found in the arcades, and I'm still working on that because I brought all the information. I wrote one one part of one chapter about the kind of like launch of the satellite, uh, but there's still like what happened and why this, this project didn't move on. And I wanted to know uh, if there were any kind of like relations with what was happening in the context of the emergence of these satellite dishes in the Caribbean and in the United States and Canada. So. So, so that is where I found uh, that I start to enter the archive, not to tell the story of RCIA, but how to include RCA in this kind of network of actors or institutions at that point. What an interesting project. And I love the use of archival materials here. Was there a particular document or set of sources that uh, were really exciting um, or perhaps pro provided you with a smoking gun? Yes, as, and as you know, for many of us historians entering into archives is to find out like so many different paths and start new projects. So I had to be <laughs> just like conscious, like okay, I can do this later on my uh, academic uh, life. But uh, at the beginning, I was like, oh yes, maybe that aspect of uh, the design. And, and as I'm, I, I'm in an STS department, I wanted to know like what is the research and development of a corporation. I teach a class of innovation in context for students, undergraduates. Mm -hmm. So I had this view of like how innovation happened in the United States. So one of the things that I found out is like many of the topics that I was discussing in class for different cases, they all converge into my approach uh, to the initial archive. And I'm specifically talking about the Astro Electronics Division where you see all these kind of like uh, technical reports, how they are trying to innovate, how they are reading the uh, competition, how the regulation also shaped the possibilities of developing certain technologies. So that was evident there. But as you know, I was more into, okay, I want to talk about the Caribbean satellites. So, okay, I will leave this from that. And then I move into the American um, RCIA uh, communication like division that was more interested in marketing and developing products to be sold. So that is where I found, I mean, I moved, I mean, in terms of boxes, I was finished with three boxes and then I was done. I said, oh, maybe not, but uh, I mean, the, the great librarians and archivists <laughs> told me, oh yes, there is also this another collection and I found it and I said, okay, bring it to me. I have like one week and I almost did everything about the first collection in the first two days give me that and it was really amazing because it was more about the development of the direct satellite broadcast the project and it was a document that i still want to read because uh, what i found interesting that as i mentioned i was with this idea that they were not uh, 
looking at what was going on in this kind of satellite amateurs. But there is one document that was uh, about how they can get their satellite dishes from one of these amateur uh, satellite dishes producer. Uh, I don't remember. It was in, 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 in the south of the United States, still the United States, but he, that person was linked with the whole business that was emerging in the US and in the Caribbean. So I was like very interested in how this big company realized that the process that was going on in this kind of more small business uh, was maybe a source for something that they have to uh, care about. And is the idea that, okay, if we talk about satellite infrastructure, all the kind of magnificent things that we can talk about is the only device in out of space that, that is the satellite. But the main concern, and I found that uh, when I was start to connect all these sources, is that yes, the real problem was how to build a cheap satellite dish that can be commercialized among the uses of the satellite. So you have the satellite, but you also need the satellite mm -hmm. dish or the air station. And the whole, and that document really me like a longer history of like how RCI was also considering building air station in the 1970s, how, how, how much that was and how costly and expensive was to build a satellite dish and see how these kind of amateur satellite dish entrepreneurs get to the low cost uh, device that start to change the market and kind of like move things in a different direction from that expected. And it's interesting because that moment when you see this corporation talking with these kind of isolated actors, it's for me very meaningful to see how these things start, I mean, to bring, as I told you at the beginning, how this start to influence the whole design of the system. It's not a, so that, that, that one in particular is the one that I'm more interested in right now. But of course, as I mentioned, there are many other things that are around that uh, I think they, they, they can enter into the kind of uh, discussion that I'm having with the satellite dishes. That's such an exciting discovery where one document can bring these two streams of your research into direct contact, into direct conversation with one, one another. That's such an exciting breakthrough in the archive. Yes, and as I told you, it really gave me like a, a story to tell about, I mean, the device itself of the satellite dish, how there were many, uh, and maybe, yes, I was not aware of that when I was in the archives, but RCA, RCA had this big project in Alaska in the 1970s where they wanted to launch the system of domestic satellite, because that is also the context of what we are talking about, that the kind of uh, the satellite that RCI was planning was for domestic use in the United States, not for this kind of like global use of satellites like Intelsat or Comsat that were the ones that start this idea that yes, satellites are good for global communication. But in the 70s, uh, the United States and the market in the United States start to push the government to consider that yes, we need domestic satellites. So the original idea of RCI was also not to develop this satellite that can cover big areas or can be used for like um, spreading education and culture, which is very in the uh, uh, in the ideas behind Comsat. Uh, but it was more about uh, developing a marketplace using for different sources. And that Alaska project was one of the first where they were being pushed to, okay, you got the satellite, but we need that Alaska is covered in, as a totality. So how are you going to build this? 
uh, satellite dishes. And that mm-hmm. is where I saw like, okay, yes, there is a concern about how these satellite dishes should be built and also commercialized, which is not the expertise of um, of RCA, but there, that's another stream of other set of businesses that enter into the market. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so yes, I think that that is also giving me a line to talk, to follow how different actors in this uh, socio-technical system were aiming at developing a satellite dish uh, that was uh, low cost. And if you think about this, it's like also a process of making it a miniature, miniaturization, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you will see, I mean, I put in my background for those who are viewing the YouTube video, a glimpse of a a fair in Miami where some of these dishes were exposed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you see, they are kind of big compared. I mean, these are big compared to what we are knowing now as satellite dish. So this process of miniaturization is also like very important for me in the process. And there are some ways of how you can track that Mm -hmm. uh, also in the archives to see how these uh, different competitions were also ideas about how these satellite dishes could be in public space, how they were affecting like uh, the environment, discussion about the size of these satellite dishes are also part of the problem of designing an affordable, but also like good looking satellite dish. I don't know if you know about that, but they used to be called like big ugly dishes back in the 80s. So they had a bad reputation in terms of aesthetics. Mm, Sure. And uh... Well, I'm really curious about these grassroots uh, business people, these innovators who are um, with very limited resources making technical breakthroughs that then um, have to be replicated by the big companies like RCA. Could you perhaps um, I- explain a little bit more about them? Yeah, that's a fascinating story because the kind of clue that I have been following, one is the emergence of community antenna television in the United States, these moms and puff, as a lot of people call them, business that help to extend the infrastructure of broadcasting television in the States. But there is also an interesting and more global phenomenon, like international phenomenon that is behind this. I'm talking about the Caribbean and the way of how these things were distributed, were also through the networks of radio amateurs, because they have the expertise to understand what an antenna means, and they were mm. very kind of experimenting with these things. So the idea that they are kind of like uh, in a different location doesn't mean that they don't have access to historical resources, that the idea that communicating, getting access to media has a long trajectory attached to uh, community antenna television and radio amateurs. So when you find this, it's like, okay, yeah, they might have like uh, fewer resources, but as a network, they were really connected to what was happening in the 70s and 80s in terms of electronic production. Mm-hmm. So some interesting thing about this uh, case is that these satellite dishes were sold as modular, like these kind of kits that you can ensemble. And there is a lot of like do-it-yourself ideas behind, okay, you can build this, it's low tech uh, and it's low cost. So if you put all your labor, your effort and a lot of hours to build this, you can make this on your own. The step that went further is like, okay, you can do it and replicate that. And they start to see this as a business opportunity. And the mm-hmm. phenomenon that I am seeing is like how some of these amateurs who has like a very kind of sometimes clear code of value that this is for entertainment and for the sake of knowledge to the decision to move 
into the idea of, okay, we can make this a business and not only we can span it here in the rural areas of the United States, Canada also have a lot of things to offer because there is a kind of like interesting uh, history about the development of satellite, television and media between Canada and the United States, but also in the Caribbean where the situation kind of can be compared with Canada and interest. Like, yes, there is a different approach to this. There were transitions going on in the Caribbean during the decade. Uh, so those are the kind of things that I want to try to find out how these networks that exist about community and television and radio amateurs help to build that. And to get to the point that, as you said, they get in contact with this institution, they went into the Senate, at least in the case of the United States, the satellite dish movement pushed a lot of new decisions about how to use this as a personal device, uh, they redefine uh, different aspects of uh, cable television as well. And of course, the main topic that I also interested in how they help to redefine copyright and in the context of like, it's not only a case for the United States, how this redefinition of copyright start to kind of push the way of how this was happening in the, in the Caribbean region, how uh, there were technical fixes like scrambling and encoding but there were also like governmental policies to stop the use of these satellites to specifically in the Ronald Reagan's uh, kind of like presidential uh, term when there was this free, uh, 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 I, I mean, it's one of the first ideas of free trade agreements that is the Caribbean Basin of 1982. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because everything that you read in that kind of like treat uh, like that kind of document about the Caribbean Basin Initiative is about like trade and things that you can push the Caribbean island to turn then into free market. But one aspect that was there was the issue of copyright and especially addressing what was happening with the satellite dishes. So mm -hmm. it's just to bring that kind of like also history of how copyright as an U.S. kind of particular approach to intellectual property had expanded. And not only what we know as this international idea of copyright in the internet years with Napster and all of this platform, I want to make the case that this thing started in an early stage and that the Caribbean played a huge role in, okay. Of course, you can name my book, Pirates of the Caribbean. I have a lot of like people telling me to do that, but I want to make that a more complex situation why this idea of piracy also pushed the design of the technological systems in terms of like new technology like the scramblers but also in terms of how these things were defined at, at a global scale well fabian what a great project and thank you so much for taking the time to share it with us really no, interesting thanks. yes thank you for asking me i know that there are too many things but it's great that i have been just moving into my topic by highlighting like Okay, the Hadley is a very important part, but it's another kind of like set of like uh, sources and in terms of like this kind of idea of a socio-technical system of, okay, they have something and if I can write the history of RCA and satellites in one way, but I want to put them in a different kind of like leverage. I'm like, okay, what are these guys doing? Are, we are doing this and why did it fail or, or these kind of things is, is, are the ones that are, are now interesting me as I bring more actors or like institutions into the equation. Well, that's great. And I can't wait to read the book when you're all done. And uh, for the audience, 
If you would like more Hagley History Hangouts, more information on the Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society, and the Hagley Museum and Library, join us online. You can visit hagley.org. That's H-A-G-L-E-Y dot O-R-G. Don't be a stranger.